Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with James Magnuson and Michael Carianis. And over the weekend, and, and we spoke about this in detail yesterday, Missile, regarding the NRL's decision to enforce junior rugby league associations to ban grand finals and to under-13s mm. and to um, have a, a, a program where they don't tackle until midway through under-7s. Some associations are, have pulled back, have pushed back against this, but they've been warned that it is the rules of the game. So it is mandatory, and if they don't implement these decisions, uh, they'll no longer be sanctioned by the New South Wales or the NRL. Mm. New South Wales Rugby League or the NRL. MacArthur will go to a, a crucial vote tomorrow night to decide if they're going to try and implement it. St. George have hesitations. Parramatta said, yeah, we'll implement it as long as the rest of Sydney does. Um we had our say yesterday. I'm quite comfortable with the no tackling. I think it's a a, a fair concept to to get the kids in, um, no pressure, no expectation, learn the game, develop great tackle technique, and by midway through under seven, so it's not that long mm. that they get an opportunity to, to tackle. Our issue was with no grand finals until the age of 13. Correct. Uh, we've got an expert on the line, a parenting expert and host and host of Happy Families the number one parenting podcast in Australia, Justin, Dr. Justin Coulson. Justin, thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, good to be with you, gentlemen. So talk us through from your expert um, analysis, your, your views on this mandate by the NRL to ban grand finals until under-13s. Okay, so there's a couple of things here. And, and I'm listening to your intro, and it's kind of my, my shoulders are getting a little bit tense as I listen because... People have huge opinions about this stuff without any consideration of what evidence says. We, we tend to jump to opinions pretty quick. We get pretty set in our ways, and we don't like it when anyone pushes against the status quo. I, I agree with you on the tackling. I think that's really important. In terms, of the, in, in terms of the final stuff, though, this is where it gets really, really interesting. Like the, the standard response from most people will probably be something like, well, kids just need to toughen up and... Uh, the world is competitive, and the sooner they get used to it, the better they'll be. And I, I did it when I was a kid, and I turned out fine. That's the standard response. From a psychological perspective, developmentally, we've actually got pretty good research that highlights that in younger years, competition is not really good for kids. Um, and what I mean by that is there's this stage in a sort of childhood development where we go through something that's called concrete operational thinking, what that basically means is the world is black and white and kids really do just take on whatever the world gives them as gospel. We tend to grow out of that by the time we get somewhere around 12, 13, 14 years of age. 
In other words, we move from this concrete way of thinking to what's known as formal operational thinking. I know a whole lot of psychological babble here, but basically we get used to the idea that you can win and still be a bad person or you can lose and still be a good person and that your identity isn't uh, intertwined perfectly with the outcomes that you're getting. Essentially what I'm getting at here is that there's a whole lot of studies that show that competition for kids under about the age of 12 to 14 is really, really hard for them cognitively. It's hard for them from an identity perspective. It's not in their best interests. And what we should be doing in those earlier years up to, I'm going to say, the first or second year of high school, around grade seven, grade eight, is focusing on building two things and two things only. Number one, building relationships. Because when kids are involved in sport where their friends are, they like it more. And number two, we should be focusing on building competence, helping kids to make progress. Because when they build competence and they feel like they're progressing in their skill development, their mastery of the, of the sport, of the discipline, they like it more, which means that they're more likely to stay in it and keep going year on year on year. What competition does is it turns relationships from collaborative into competitive, and we see everyone as a combatant, and it punishes those who are incompetent and elevates those who are competent. And often, the main reason that kids are more competent than other kids is because of when they were born in the year, that is, they're 12 months older than the youngest kids on the field, uh, and it has nothing to do with their actual uh, potential in that sport. It's just that they had an extra year to practice because they were born on July 1 and the other kid was born on July 30. So one kid got in and one kid didn't. And so they're up a, up, a, up a year or down a year. We're joined by Dr. Justin Coulson, parenting expert and host of the Happy Families podcast, number one parenting podcast in Australia. Justin, interestingly, with what you said there around sport and, and identity and maybe them identifying themselves as either a winner or a loser. Can I take you away from the sporting field for a second then? If, if this is a developmental phase and they're taking identity from results, should we not be scoring tests at school or giving grades at school? If I'm a D student when I'm 11 or 12 years old, do I then identify as dumb and therefore can't break that mold as, as I, I guess, mature mentally? I wish that uh, the education department was listening right now because that's exactly exactly what we should be moving to. If we had a competency-based school system, especially in those younger years, what we would be doing is we would be saying to kids, hey, you know what, you're struggling with this, but rather than giving you a report card that says you're dumb or giving you a, a band, a low band on NAPLAN rather than a high band, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight that you still just need to do a bit of work. You're not quite confident yet. Um, when I was a university lecturer, uh, probably a, more than a decade ago now, I used to say to my students, in their university courses, you can resubmit this as many times as you want because my job is not to grade you on an assessment. My job is to teach you psychology. And what I wanted to do was to help them to become competent in their psychological discipline, in, in the learning of psychology. Uh, unfortunately, we have a school system and a sporting system and a society that is built on something other than that, built on this idea of competition and evaluation. And, and, and make no mistake, this stuff is important. Competition and evaluation does matter. But it doesn't matter in those early years because those early years are where we start to build our identity, we start to build our beliefs about what we can and can't do, whether we're capable or not, whether we can become competent, whether we can develop mastery. And every time we smash some kid and say, guess what, you lost four games in a row, you're off the team. Or guess, I, I mean, sorry, let me, I, I, I care about this so much. I've got six of my own kids and I've watched it happen to them. 
Look at what Cricket Australia did a few years ago when they said, we're going to bring the boundaries in, we're going to shorten the pitch, we're going to soften the ball, we're going to make sure that kids can bat. Uh, they face 30 deliveries. They can get out 30 times or they can hit 36. It doesn't matter. 30 deliveries and then they're done. They remove the competitive aspects to it. And what happened was parents were up in arms and cricket clubs were up in arms saying, oh, we're mildly coddling our kids, we're cotton wooling our kids. But at the end of the season, after they ran this in junior cricket, what they found was that the kids actually liked cricket more and attrition rates dropped. The kids wanted to sign up again next year. Why? Because they were building relationships and they were building confidence. From my perspective, the NRL is not going far enough with what they've done. Mm, okay. Can I, can I approach it from a different perspective, a different sport? So I, I come from swimming, Justin, and swimming is pretty hard to take competition out of it because basically you touch the ball first and you know where you've finished. Now, you spoke about kids that were maybe bigger as young kids and therefore it's not necessarily a skill set but a size aspect that creates success at a younger level. Uh, I was a big kid. And I subsequently I now am, I'm, a, I'm a big adult. <laughs> and that meant that I was good at swimming as a young kid. And my passion and fire for the sport of swimming came from, quite honestly, winning. That rush, that thrill that I got of winning. I, I, I remember back to my first school swimming carnival at nine years of age, winning in my first race. Guess what I did after I won that first race? I went and signed up at the local swimming club. From that day on, I was then a swimmer, and that was part of my identity. I was a big kid. I won the race. I was a big adult. I won the world championships. What would you say to, to that aspect of competition from an individual sport where really competition is quite cut and dry? So competition for winners builds what we call the basic psychological need of competence. That is, all of us want to feel good. We all want to feel competent. We want to feel capable. We want to feel like we can master whatever it is that we're doing. So as a nine-year-old, you have this confidence-building experience where you say, wow, I did this. I did it really well. I did it at a level that's different to everybody else. So the competition magnified that for you. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm in and I need to do more of this because I want more of that feeling. That's completely uh, in line with what psychological theory would predict. And therefore, for the winners, competition can be wonderfully uh, supportive. It can be wonderfully enhancing. There's two challenges that we have with young kids around this. Number one, there's a whole lot of losers. Okay, so your, your feeling good came at the price of everyone else feeling bad, potentially, depending on how important it was to them. Uh, and, and I know that some people might so, sort of say, oh, this is some sort of um, let the cry in your pillow, get out of the island kind of thing. But realistically, who knows how many other kids were in that race who had the potential as they got older to develop into incredible swimmers. But because they failed, we missed out on discovering their potential. There could have been another world champion in the pool with you that day, James. We just will never know. The second thing, though, and I think this is the critical thing, we've got some really clever research that's come out of the UK and the US that highlights that for kids who are winning, that is, they're feeling competent, as nine-year-olds, that's great. But suddenly you turn 12 or suddenly you turn 14, and there's going to come a point where you're not winning anymore. Now, in your case, that didn't happen so often. And you had, I guess, the mental fortitude, the resilience, whatever it was, to push through the times where you weren't winning and keep at it. But there's plenty of people who don't keep winning. They come up against the James Magnusons of the world. And too many of them, unfortunately, 
will drop out. And the reason they'll drop out is because their identity is tied to the fact that they win. When they're no longer winning, we see them buckle under the pressure. There's that resilience thing again. Yep. Uh, we, we hear horror stories right up to and including uh, the death of people who die at their own hand because the pressure to accomplish that level and stay at that level to fulfill their potential to achieve the promise becomes too great, which is just uh, so devastating. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Justin. It's a really interesting perspective you've given us uh, from a different uh, field of, of expertise, and we've loved having you on. Uh, that's Dr. Justin Coulson, parenting expert and host of Happy Family. So you can catch him on the Happy Families podcast, which is the number one parenting podcast in Australia. Thanks, Justin.